Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to the High Velocity Radio Show, where we celebrate top performers producing better results in less time. Stone Payton Lee Cantor here with you this afternoon. A studio full of guests. We even have some folks in the gallery, a little paparazzi. This is going to be a fantastic show. We've got lots of folks to visit with. But first up on the High Velocity Radio Show this afternoon, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce executive producer and host with his own radio show. It's called Manufacturing Talk Radio. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Mr. Tim Grady. Good afternoon, sir. Gosh, good afternoon, Lee Ann Stone. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, Tim, can you share a little bit about Manufacturing Talk Radio? What are you doing for folks? Well, Manufacturing Talk Radio was birthed by my co-host up in New Jersey who happens to own All Metals and Forge Group. It's a manufacturer, and he was trying to find something different to do that his competitors couldn't copy. Mm -hmm. So at 2.30 in the morning, he woke up and started searching the Internet for radio. Right. And he called me at 8.30 in the morning, said, I'm glad you weren't up at 2.30 because I was going <laughs> to call you. He said, what do you think about radio? I said, sounds like a great idea. Two weeks later, we were on the air, and our mission is to really take information to manufacturers to help them with manufacturing. All kinds of aspects that go on in manufacturing. So that's, that's our mission is to help them understand where the industry is going, what are the trends, what's the forecast, what's happening in manufacturing. So now, uh, have you learned anything? <laughs> we have learned a bunch of stuff outside of what we knew from uh, the forging industry. Uh, one of the big exciting areas for young people to get into, not just manufacturing itself, but is supply chain. Mm -hmm. It turns out that supply chain used to be a back office basement job, and that's where you really worked on supply chain. Now it's a C-suite operation. Wow. And they may send you to uh, Malaysia, Asia, Australia, wherever your suppliers are to check them out. So... It's a very exciting place to be for, for young people. Now, how is manufacturing doing kind of as a job source for people in America? Well, you know, it's interesting, Lee, and I'm glad you asked the question because a lot of people have the perception of manufacturing from the 1950s, dark, dirty, dangerous, declining. Those are really the four dirty Ds of manufacturing, and those have all gone away. Manufacturing now is automated. You're dealing with smart machines. You're dealing with daisy chain machines, one machine passing a process off to the next machine. Uh, very high tech. And we have been to a fab tech, which is one of the big industry shows. And they have a million square feet of exhibit space for that show. And they have 12 million pounds of equipment they bring in, big, heavy iron machines. And you watch them work and there are people in their 20s running those monsters with an iPad. Exciting to watch. <laughs> but now, back in the day, manufacturing was a place where thousands and thousands of people had jobs. Is that just not the case anymore since most things are automated? Well, that's what's happening, Lee. What's, uh, in, back in 1980, manufacturing peaked. There were 17 million jobs in manufacturing. Today, there's about 12 million jobs in manufacturing. Now, a lot of people will say, well, 5 million jobs went offshore. No, they didn't. Actually, they were automated. Very much like the same process happening in corporate America. We all thought that when the computer, the desktop computer, hit corporate America, that all the secretaries would be unemployed. Wrong. All the mill managers got unemployed. <laughs> the guys who made up the reports. So the same thing's happening in manufacturing. So it's being streamlined? 
very much streamlined and a lot of intelligence going into it. Uh, the, the average worker today is not blue collar. They're white collar. They're at least a two-year degree, some coming out of high school. But manufacturing today has 300,000 job openings in the U.S. they cannot find people for. And, the, and these people, how are they finding them now? Well, they're really struggling. They're going to the local county colleges. They're going to the tech schools. They're going to the universities. You know, the, the sense 10 or 15 or even 20 years ago was my kids got to go to college. Everybody's got to get a four-year degree. Well, great plan didn't work out because now you've got the kids who have graduated from college living in their parents' basement without a job, and they can't find a job right? because they got a degree in uh, uh, being a film critic. Uh, there, there are literally <laughs> there are literally seven hundred universities in the country that have a degree program in being a film critic. <laughs> now I can't imagine there's a lot of jobs there. So instead of getting the skills that they needed to go into manufacturing, because they perceived it as dark, dirty, dangerous to right. go in, so manufacturing is really struggling. So now the mission of your show is to tell these stories and to kind of enlighten people about what the manufacturing world's really like? That's exactly right, is to get the message out to not just the manufacturers about what's happening in trends and software and automation and manufacturing, but what is going on for parents and students in that industry. It's very much high-class corporate now. If you go on to a production floor you don't see grease and stains and chips and dirt. They're polished. You could eat off of some of those floors. Because there's so much uh, automation, robotics involved, they have to be in that environment for them to function, right? That's exactly right. It's all air-conditioned because you've got to control the air temperature for the robots to work, mm -hmm. and it's all computerized. So it's very much all different than people perceive it to be. Now, here in town, we had a conversation with a manufacturer uh, a while ago that they were partnering with a technical college to create a curriculum to help them kind of create the jobs that they needed to fill mm -hmm. in their plant. Are, are you seeing that across the country? Absolutely, Lee. That's the smart thing to do is to go to your county college, go to your technical college, sit down with them and say, this is what we need you to turn out a year, two years hence. So please help us design the curriculum. And we're finding that the county colleges and the technical schools are very interested in doing that. That's exactly what they want to be able to tell their kids. When you graduate from here with a two-year degree, just walk right down the block and there's a, an employer who will employ you. And these jobs aren't like minimum wage jobs. These jobs are high-paying jobs. They are. The average starting wage is between forty and 50000 That's the wage start. Uh, if Here's a wild one. We thought welders, you know, welders, they must be making 20 grand a year. Wrong. Welders are starting at 60 and 70. If you're underwater welding, 150,000 a year and you only work six months. So, you know, you look at some of the trades and you say, gee, those were the dark, dirty, dangerous trades. Not anymore. Very high tech. So now on your show, what are some of the guests that appear on your show? Gosh, we have had a lot of nonprofits on the show who are in the industry. The National Association of Manufacturers has been on the show. The president of the Fabricators and Manufacturers Association International is on the show. We have Dr. Chris Keel, who is an economist and out of Armada Corporate Intelligence. He's on the show. Uh, Brad Holcomb just retired. Uh, his position was taken over by... Tim Fiore, they're from the Institute for Supply Management. Now, you may hear on the nightly news, the ISM number was 54.7. 
Well, what that means is manufacturing is in a positive area right now. Things are going well in supply chain, in production, in inventory. That's what that number means. Uh, ISM is very astute, and the, literally the president of the United States waits for that number to come out shortly after 10 a.m. on the first business day of the month, because if it's above 50, he can say, hey, look how well manufacturing is <laughs> doing under my tutelage. And if it's below 50, he sends out the vice president. <laughs> <laughs> so now, um, how are you, are you bullish on manufacturing in the coming years? Like what's your, what's, how is it trending right now? Actually, manufacturing is looking very good. You hear that the economy, that the gross domestic product is around 2, 2.1, 2.2%. That's the kind of growth they expect for 2017, 2018. We actually look forward about four years and we see this expansion continuing because it's not getting overheated. Uh, inflation is down, growth rate is, is relatively modest. But if you pull manufacturing out just by itself and look at that GDP, it's around 3.1. Wow. So it's about a point higher than the melded rate. Now people say manufacturing is only 12% of the economy. If you measure just production floor out the back door, that's true. But if you measure upstream from that, it's about a third of the economy. Right. Now, are there some states doing better than others? There are. There are pockets of things that are doing well in the sector, and there are pockets that are really struggling. So it depends on where you're standing when someone says, oh, manufacturing is doing well, and you're going, I uh, don't think so. Uh, but generally, manufacturing is really quite strong right now. Now, are you seeing uh, more and more companies uh, bringing manufacturing back to America, or are they still kind of in the outsource mode? Very interesting. We had a gentleman on the show. He's one of our regular senior correspondents. He watches 18 purchasing managers' indexes around the world. And he dropped a golden nugget right at the end of the show. And it was, if your labor rate, and the labor rate, by the way, in a manufactured good is only about 10 or 12% right now. We, we think it's much higher than that. It's really not. Uh, if your labor rate is higher than 15%, consider taking it offshore. If it's less than that, it makes no sense to take it offshore. You hear about uh, reshoring and we're bringing jobs back to America. It's a zero-sum game. We haven't seen a lot come back. We're not seeing a lot leaving, and it's really driven by the economics of manufacturing. And th so that means that if um, if it's above 15%, you sh should consider going offshore? Yeah, it, it's very much an economic decision. Because uh, you, you have the shipping and the hassle, the time, and all that stuff. Oh, and you've got some wild cultural differences. Right. You know, when you start doing manufacturing in China, in China, when you sit down with people, they don't like to say no in China. So they're always saying yes. Now, the reality is they may com be completely incapable of doing it, but they just said yes to the contract. You feel, oh, we got this. You're high-fiving in the office. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Until six months from now when you're looking for the stuff. That's exactly right. <laughs> so now, what have you enjoyed most about the show? You know, it's fun to talk to people in the industry uh, to see what's their feel for. How do they see it? I guess one of the things that we're looking at most about uh, the industry and, and what's enjoyable about the industry is where it's going. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, I say to my kids, you know, when I grew up, I watched a show called Star Trek. came out in 1965 with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock and all of that. And we looked at some of those devices and thought, oh, wow, those are so cool. Today, kids look at those devices and go, I can make that. <laughs> <laughs> and that is startling when you have conversations. And we've talked with high school kids and we've talked with young college kids. 
And right now, today, there are two companies developing the tricorder. <laughs> that device that Dr. McCoyer went wheel, <laughs> over and read your vitals and everything. Two of those devices are in development right now. Expect to hit the market next year. Wow. So I wanted to ask a little bit more about the radio show. Uh, you you have it in a studio or over the phone, but you also, you'll go to trade shows and conferences, don't you, and cover some, some of those? We do. We are actually on the exhibit hall floor. Yeah. When we first did that, in, you know, if you're in an exhibit hall, particularly at Fabtech, and you've got 12 million pounds of machines doing something, there's a lot of ambient noise. And we thought <laughs> it, it's just going to blow out the mics. No one's going to know what we're talking about. It <laughs> turned out with directional mics, though, yeah. uh, that a lot of that ambient noise fades away, but it sounds really cool. <laughs> right, right. It sounds like you're actually broadcasting from a manufacturing operation. Uh-huh. So some of those shows are a lot of fun to, to uh, broadcast from. I'll bet they are. So what, what are some of the kinds of shows that, you, that you've been to and some of the venues that you've visited? Well, the ISM show is all supply chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always talking about uh, where are you getting your inventory from, your parts from, your component parts from. Right. Uh, they hold that show every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other uh, one that we've been at, Fabtech. Fabtech will be in Atlanta next year. This year it's, <laughs> this year it's in Chicago in November. Uh, oh, yeah, have yeah. fun with that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's a very neat show to be at. We've got one that's going off in Boston uh, with AME. Mm-hmm. There's a number of shows now, uh, exhibits reaching out to us to say, you know, come broadcast from our exhibit hall floor because – Sure. The, the most important thing for them is, you know, exposure in the media. And CNN mm-hmm. doesn't show up. Really? <laughs> Main- Traditional media isn't showing up to these things. Mainstream media, I hate to say it, they're not paying attention to a third of the economy. They're just kind of blowing it off. And and if you look at their even their news stories on CNN.com, FoxNews.com, whatever it might be, it's Trump, 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 Trump. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where can our listeners go to tap into your radio show and or to have a, a conversation with you or your partner about any of these topics, the best coordinates, websites, emails, whatever's appropriate? Sure, Stone. I would love to give them the email address. I'm sorry, the, the website address, which is mfgtalkradio.com. We store all of our shows there. They go off live and then they become podcasts. Some of them are just podcasts themselves. So we store all of the shows there. They can look through the library. We've got a number of news articles that we post there. And then they can find our our emails or just shoot info at mfgtalkradio.com. I get a copy of that. My partner, uh, Lou Weiss, who is the co-host and the uh, CEO of Manufacturing Trucker, he gets a copy of it. And we like to follow up on those inquiries. Well, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Keep up the good work. This is important stuff that you're doing for all the reasons that we described. And, and as you specifically called out, I don't think traditional media is doing now, nor do they plan to do a very good job of celebrating and supporting the good work that is happening on the manufacturing floor or in so many of these enterprises. So this is very important work you guys are doing. Thanks, Joan. We really enjoyed being here. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.